children, you are dismissed to head back with Miss Alicia today. And for those that are in this room, I am excited. I believe that you are here at this divine, divine and defined moment in time. I am going to do this series because I believe that it is important for this body of believers. And I believe that many of us need to understand what our role is. If you've been coming to church and that's all you've been doing, you're now going to put that behind you. This isn't just a religious ex experience. It's now going to be more relational. I want to take you through this series where we come to finalize and realize the power and the authority that is in the believer. So you say, Pastor, I I'm not really sure how this is... Uh, relevant to us, I will make it relevant to you. I will try to do this in the time frame that we have, but yet continue to move forward. I want to take the Word of God that's always been here for thousands of years. There's nothing new that's in there, but I believe that in this time in our life and in our relationship with Jesus Christ, church, it's time to come alive. Church, it's time to wake up. Church, it is time for us to embrace the Word of God. Stop just grabbing it or leaving it in your pew all week long, it does no good sitting in your seat. How about this? You take it, you read it, you apply it. So I'm going to challenge you today in Ephesians to make sure that you make the text from Paul more relevant so that you can embrace it in your life. The authority of the believer series. Today we kick off part one, when Paul prays. Do we have authority that we don't know about, that we haven't discovered, that we're not even using? So in my position as a young pastor or pastoral student, I had some glimpses of spiritual authority every once in a while. Like others, I had stumbled upon it and exercised it without knowing exactly what I was doing, the things that I was taught, and then yet demonstrating it and using it in my life. And as a result of my current readings and my current studying, I concluded that we as a church have authority on the earth that we've never yet realized. A few of us have barely gotten to the edge of that authority. But before Jesus comes again, there's going to be a whole group of believers who will rise up with the authority that is theirs, and they will do the work that God intended us to do. Do you believe that? Do you receive that this morning? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we love you and we thank you that today we dive into your word and we see the word in its entirety and in its fullness. Father, help me to be able to communicate this. Thank you for the inspiring words of the authors that I've been able to uh, learn such great truths from your word and the resources. And so, Father, we just praise you and we thank you that, Lord, today, here in 2024, this church gets to understand its understand and exercise that authority with one another within the church community, your bride, your church. And so, Father, we thank you for your word today. Father, as we open it up, we pray that you will speak to our hearts, inspire us, change us, shift us, 
Reshape us, Lord. Help us to walk in the newness that is yours. For we are highly favored, and we are the children of the Most High God. Bless your word in Jesus' name. Amen. If you will, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And now these aren't long chapters, and when I say this to you, I want to take the word and make it relevant. This is more of a uh, expository message. It's really not. But I'm going to be reading uh, chapter 1, 2, 3. And as we do this, I want you to hear what the Word has to say. Now listen, we're applying the Word of God. Amen? So if you have your Bible and it's open, this is the Bible decree, right? Because I almost forgot it. But I want it incorporated here, but I'm going to say, you don't even have to put it on the screen. We know it, right? Do you have your Bibles? All right, this is my Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. If you love the word of God, say amen. 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 So let's read together in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Here's what it says. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. And I'm writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. See that correlation, right? Now, it's not up here in the New King James Version. And if you're watching and you want to grab your NLT, that's fine. I wanted to do this part of it kind of in a story form. Uh, but I love what it had to say, so I chose the New Living Translation today. But listen what your involvement is. Listen, what your involvement is. Listen, what your involvement is. That isn't me skipping a record, okay, or vinyl, right? You have a great responsibility. It was for the Jews. Now it's for the Gentiles. So watch as this thing starts to unfold. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Now, in your Bible, just go ahead and circle spiritual blessing, and we'll get back to that. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through who? Through who? Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed us to his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the what? The authority of Christ. Okay. Everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ. Furthermore, we are united with Christ. We have received an inheritance from God for he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. And now, all of you Gentiles, have also heard the truth, the good news, 
that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. Wow. Wow. Can you imagine Paul writing this and just embracing that right there? Listen, church, that verse is for us. We have to embrace that. It says, you Gentiles, the good news that God saves you. And when you finally believed in Christ through faith, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. That to me, like they just took everything that was kind of to the public and he brought it right in and he made it personal and more individual, right? And, and so now we get to see what we have through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking, not thinking, thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. Now, verse 18. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is... The same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Back that verse back up to 20. Look at this. It says here that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. Could, you know, if we pastors didn't even have to, I don't even have to give you points or an outline or anything. We're already, it's already preaching. Isn't that amazing? I've re, So I woke up this morning, so God... I don't know. I had a, a struggle last night going to sleep, and so I finally went to sleep and was in and out of sleep, and I knew what Satan was trying to do, but uh, I like what it says. But God, you pulled all authority. You have all authority. You know, you can go back to that verse. All of that authority is under, you know, Christ Jesus. And so I had to declare and rebuke it and say, you know what? I know this, that there's great things to come, not in... This world, but from your world, and Lord, we just need to practice that. So then he says in verse 22, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made, has made him head over all things for the what? For the benefit of the church. For the benefit of the church. The called out assembly, Right? So then we continue, and the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. 
You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powerful's of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Now you see we are already in chapter 2, right? All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Do you see what, it, see what Paul is telling us? That here we were, Living that way, living in sinful, in, in the sinful nature of who we used to be, and yet now we need to walk in the newness of Christ and understand the authority that the believer has to be able to practice within the body of Christ. It says, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. And it is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Jeff has a shirt on. It's our church shirt. When he called my name, I ran out of the grave. So if we go back on that verse in verse 6. What are you doing right now? We're all sitting in this room. For he raised us from the dead, the old man, along with Christ, and seated us. Take that, circle that, highlight it, do whatever you need to do. He seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Wow. Do you, see, do you see that in there? It says, we are seated with Christ. He sits at the right hand of the Father. Have you ever thought about that before? Do you understand the authority that we have and the power that we have in Jesus Christ because we are seated at the right hand? I picture myself always kneeling. But here in this scripture, it's very plain. In the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. That comes with being born again by saving grace through Jesus Christ. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us. As shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It truly is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so none of us can boast about it. Right. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things he planned for us long ago. I'm going to share what I believe the Holy Spirit was just speaking to me about. So I'm going to pause here. If we are his masterpiece and we were created in Christ long ago, right? He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so that he and we can do the things that he planned for us long ago. Then why aren't you doing the things that he has planned for you? 
because we've allowed our flesh to manifest itself instead of the Holy Spirit. And you heard what Paul said, the indwelling spirit of God, Jesus that dwells and lives within us, that gives us the authority and power to do the things that otherwise we couldn't do in ourselves, but only through Jesus Christ. You have to take that step of faith as a believer to understand that you too can exercise the authority that Jesus has granted you. That's powerful. Because you are his masterpiece. We have let Satan... Discourage us from serving him. Can I ask you all a question? You put 40 hours in at work, but you won't put four hours in at the church. Now, pastor, you just you just switched that like that. No, I didn't. Who's the church? What did you just what did we just read? The body of Christ, right? What's your involvement? And I'm only saying this to you because I really do believe that if we're going to take the scripture as literate, which I do, and understand what it says, then we've got to do our part. We've got to study the word. We've got to be in the word. Listen, if you feel like you're, you're wavering, then find a way to stop wavering. Get with somebody. Nudge them. If you feel like in your Christian walk you're falling asleep, nudge them. Is it getting warm in here or is it just me? It's warm in here. And, uh, okay, they said they don't think so. I think the Holy Spirit's convicting you. That's why it's getting hot. I just had, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. As my wife turns on the fan. So then we go right into verse 11. I'm going to keep going. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. We were vagabonds. I mean, think about that. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. That's amazing because, you know, in Jewish law, you had to have males had to be circumcised. And yet what what they proved was that, listen, in the New Testament, now we're circumcised by the heart, not just physically. So the Jews, that was such a law that they just enforced and enforced and enforced and enforced. But now it's a measure of the heart. For by grace you saved. We went back to, you don't have to go there, but in verse 8. For by grace you saved, you know, through faith. It's not of you. It's not of the law. It's by God's grace that we're saved, right? So we have to understand that at once, at one time, because of Jewish law, we were outside of the circle. Now we're insiders instead of outsiders. But yet, let me ask you, if you're on the inside, is there a great responsibility that you have with Jesus Christ? You do. We all do. We all have the good news to proclaim. We all have a responsibility of the spirit of the living God to be able to communicate that to others in and through our lives. To overcome the difficult times in our marriages, in the workplace, financially, you know, uh, mentally, emotionally, physically, all those areas, we need Jesus. So then it goes into verse 12. And those days you were living apart from Christ, you were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But how have 
But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. One out of two. That all because of who? Jesus. So now we have favor. Now we don't have to worry about being an outsider. We're an insider. And now we sit with Christ at the right hand. And now we have quick access to work in the authority of Jesus Christ. So here we go. He did this by ending the system of law. Okay, sorry about that. Verse 16. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility toward each other was put to death. He brought us this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him, and peace to the Jews who were near. Now, all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's people. You are members of God's family. That's the church. He's speaking to the church. And now we're part of it. Now watch. Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus Himself. Now, who's the cornerstone? Who's the cornerstone? If we are the body and he is the cornerstone, then listen, church, we're the body. He's the head. Can you work and function without the head? No. Can we function without Jesus Christ being the cornerstone of our lives? No. So we need him to be a part of who we are. Okay, so we've learned in theology class today, 101, that one, we must be saved through Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus, you've got to be saved. We also have to understand you step out by faith and understand that there's no difference now. Do we understand between the Jews and the Gentiles? We are all one. And now we are walking in Jesus. We sit at the right hand of the father when you become his child. And now we're moving as insiders within his body. Do you understand? Are you with me? Can I hear amen? amen. If, you, or if you're not with me, say, oh, no. Okay, we're going to start over. Back to verse one. Just kidding. So it says here, again, together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and of the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. Verse 21, we are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. 
Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. And when I think of all this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the benefit of you Gentiles, assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles. As I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. And as you read, because we're here now in chapter 3, as you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into the plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now by his spirit, he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe in the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are a part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to. Okay, stop. Go, keep that verse up there if you will. Thank you. Hallelujah. Both Gentiles and Jews. What is the good news? The good news is of Jesus, right? The gospel of Christ. Share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. When you think of receiving something or an inheritance, that means somebody's passing something down to you, correct? So then you get to be a part of that inheritance. Why are we limited to the authority and the power of Christ when if you embrace the word that I have for you today, we can do things that Superman could never do? We can do things that no man could ever do. We can truly leap buildings in a single bound. We can do things through Jesus Christ and the authority of Christ. And it says there, because we've inherited, as God's children, his blessings and his riches. People will say to me, and they have put me under scrutiny. People have come to this church left because I didn't make it to their home. Listen to me. I'm being real here. I want you to pray over this. I want you to pray over that. There was always these fingers. Well, back in the early church, we understand the, the position of the priest. We understand, and this wasn't even in my message, but I believe God is, is moving in this direction. Because I want you to see the inheritance that we have and the riches that we have. If we understand those inheritances and the, the blessings and riches from God, then we get to move forward in the spirit that God has given to each and every one of us. He didn't give it to Pastor Todd. He didn't give it to the, the pastor up the, tr up the street. He didn't give it to the next pastor. He gave it to each and every one of you. So here's the responsibility you have. Instead of saying, Pastor, I need you right now. I have literally had phone calls at 2 a.m. in the morning. And said, Pastor, I need you to pray. And I understand that. I need you over here right now. Ask Becky. I spent years running, 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 running. Running. Literally. Yep. Uh, it, it's exactly right. Times at 2 a.m. in the morning. And I would jump, wouldn't I? Jump in the car, go straight there. And, well, because I thought that was my responsibility. I thought it was my obligation as the pastor to go and pray. You have it. You have it through Jesus. You have it through the authority of Christ. And we always, I want to say always, but many of us will say that, oh, the, the preacher has that. Don't you do that to me. So I'm going to do this to you. Receive it. Receive it. 
receive it, right? Because he said this was not just to the Jewish people, it's to the Gentiles. Be free! Live a victorious Christian life. Hardship's going to come. But when I say to you, now you can get it. I know who I am, and I know whose I am. When we can claim that, and we can say, I know who I am. Men, pray over your wives. Wives, pray over your children. Men, pray over your families. You have that authority and power through Jesus Christ, and you can't say, where'd you come up with that? I just read the word to you. Do the work of the Lord. He's the cornerstone. We are his body, right? So then it says in verse 7, by God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. That didn't say just a few treasures. That said, you got all the treasures. Isn't that awesome? Paul was in the spirit. Paul knew what he was doing. We truly have limited ourselves. Oh, but you wait. Because people have called me, look at you, goody two-shoes. No, it's not that I'm goody two-shoes because Jesus died for all sinful people. All sinners. For God so loved the world. That he gave us his only son. But now we have the great privilege and pleasure to receive the treasures, receive the inheritance, receive the riches that he has for us. To exercise that, to help people through deliverance, to help people to walk a better Christian life. Now, it's my responsibility to teach you how to pray and the ways to pray that helps you to overcome that. Listen, we say things all the time. The cup is half empty. Well, that just happens to me all the time. Well, you just declared it over your life. It's going to happen to you all the time. How about this? Your cup isn't half empty. It's not half full. It's overflowing because of the authority that the believer has through Jesus Christ. So now you claim it in your life. Listen, I'm living it. Oh, I'm going to get into this message. You'll hear it here. But there's just so much meat in this word. It's just powerful. Now we're in verse 9. And I know I'm going to be concluding with Ephesians 3 here. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God... And it's so funny to me because now that I'm going through this, I keep seeing the word mystery, isn't it? Mysterious plan. Yet it's all right there for all of us to see. We just haven't embraced it. We haven't received it. And truly... We say that we love the word, we walk in its truth, we walk in the light, but we're not living in that truth and in the light because we start believing what all those voices that keep coming into our head say about us, right? And then we're never, ever effective or successful in our walk with Jesus Christ. And you too can be as effective for Jesus even as your pastor, even as other believers that you say, well, I don't have that gift. Well, I'm all I'm telling you, we're not talking about gifts right now. There's nowhere in here that says gifts. It says you get the inheritance. You sit at the right hand. You're with Jesus through it all, right? So he said in verse 10, God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. 
Holy mackerel. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of Christ, listen, this is getting really good. Here we go. Are you ready? This becomes the doxology. This becomes the finale. And we start, you know, going right into the meat of this word where Paul really starts preaching with authority. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please don't lose heart because of many trials here. I am suffering for you, so you should feel honored. When I think of all this... I fall to my knees and pray to the Father. Why do I have goosebumps? Do you have goosebumps? Because I'm telling you right now, I have some goosebumps going over me. They must be Holy Spirit goosebumps. I don't know what they are, but I'm telling you that I have access. I can come boldly into the presence of God. Wow. The creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from now all the glory. Wait a minute. Where are we at here? I'm getting all messed up. Go back to 16, please. I pray from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit, not of your own, but through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep. What is the width, the depth, the height of God's love? May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. That's a lot of us, isn't it? Sometimes we just don't understand it fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now, all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations. Through all generations. Through all generations. Through all generations. Not just one generation. Through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is the responsibility yours? I'm going to teach you this. Do you guys want to receive what I want to teach you this morning? Okay. The roast won't burn. I'm going to take the next few minutes and teach you some great principles because I want to take our church through this before Easter. But I'll, I'll go with God's timing, right? But the authority of the believer is unveiled more fully in the book of Ephesians. So here we, all, here we are when Paul prays. Here in the book of Ephesians than any other epistle written to the churches... Because this message series is based on the Ephesians. So this morning, let me encourage you to read the first three chapters over and over and over again for several, several days. You will notice there are spirit-anointed prayers at the end of the first and third chapters. However, Paul didn't pray these prayers only for the church at Ephesus. These prayers apply to all of us here today just as much as they did to the believers at Ephesus because they were given 
By who? By the Holy Spirit. So we see in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 16 and 20, and I'm going to just skip over that because I just read it, and I'm going to go right down to Ephesians chapter 3. It talks about that there is power toward us that we're able to receive that in Ephesians 1. But in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19, I'm going to highlight that, and I'm going to tell you why, because here's the prayer that I want you to practice in your daily life. So it says in Ephesians 3, verses 14, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, is of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the height, and the depth of his love and the length, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. The turning point in your life comes when you pray these prayers for yourself more than a hundred times. Start by reading them aloud. Beginning with the first chapter, and then you can personalize the prayers by saying, me, wherever Paul said you. For example, reading Ephesians chapter 3, watch this. Everywhere there was you, I inserted a me. Everywhere there was a you, you can insert someone's name. Watch. I would say, for this cause, I bow my knees. What is bowing your knees? Is that prayer? Okay, so for this cause, I pray, I bow my knees to the Father of my Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant, not you, but that he would grant me, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in my heart by faith. Now, what I did, and this is how I pray for people, I will replace that where it says me or you, I will replace that with someone's name. For example, on the last part, that Christ may dwell in my wife's heart by faith, in Becky's heart, in Caitlin's heart. Or, you know, you can actually exercise that prayer and then replace it. So now you're making it personal. While I was in Hilton Head in November, I spent time praying this prayer on my knees. I kept my readings before me to these prayers and prayed them for myself. Then the first thing I was praying for started to happen. I'd been praying for the spirit of wisdom and revelation, which we found in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. Then the spirit began to function. See, I have begun to see things in the Bible I've never seen before. Because it just began to open up to me because I was in the word. I have advanced more in spiritual growth and knowledge of the word in the last eight weeks than I had in 17 years as a minister and more than 40 years as a Christian and as a believer. That was one of the greatest spiritual discoveries I've ever made. I said to my wife, what in the world have I been preaching I was so ignorant of the authority of the believer that it caught me by surprise. We must have the spirit of wisdom and revelation of Christ and his word if we are to do what? If we are to grow. 
It is not going to be imparted to us through our intellect either. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit must unveil it to us. And people often want to know how to pray for fellow Christians. But if you start praying these Ephesian prayers for them, you'll see the results in their lives. So I also suggest you pray the prayers for yourself as well. So a month ago, I prayed these prayers morning and evening for a family member. She needed healing desperately, deliverance desperately, yet she couldn't seem to grasp what the Bible teaches us about divine healing. When I prayed, I inserted the person's name in the prayer as I had previously inserted my own. And within days, within days, I heard her saying, I'm beginning to see things I never saw before. The minute you go scriptural, things happen. It was surprising how fast family changes once I started praying for them scripturally. I've been praying for some of them for years with no results, no outcome. And I kept asking myself, why isn't anything changing? God, what are you doing? And I always thought I was hearing like, be still and know that I am God. But in reality, now I know that I have the power of Jesus Christ and the authority to exercise that type of prayer over myself and other people as well. So as we see that in Ephesians, we start to realize that. Now we look at the believer's authority, number two. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says this. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Thank God that we have authority over such evil spirits through Jesus Christ. We need to understand what Paul said here in the light of what he wrote in previous chapters. We need to realize that we have authority through Jesus Christ. So I want you to say this with me. We have authority through Jesus. We do have authority through Jesus Christ. Our combat with the devil always should be with the consciousness that we have authority over him. That we have authority over him. Because he is a defeated foe. The Lord Jesus Christ defeated him for us. However... The authority of the believer is an aspect of the Christian walk that few believers know much about. Some think the authority over the devil belongs to only a few chosen people to whom God has given that special power. And that's not true. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. It belongs to all of the children of God. Do I hear an amen? Amen. We receive this authority when we are born again. As we are made new creatures, creations, sometimes I get that together and I just want to go, I don't know what's coming out. As we are new creatures in Christ Jesus, we inherit the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and we can use it in prayer against the enemy. We can use it, but see, listen, but the devil doesn't want Christians to learn about the authority of the believer. He doesn't want me preaching it today. Can I just say something? Look around you. This church has been full every week. I'm just putting it out there. I just have to put it out there. And when you see those empty spaces, it's because Satan doesn't want the believer to know how to become victorious over hardships in their life. So let's keep them at home. 
Let's, let's make distractions and, and things happen in their life so that they don't, they don't prosper, they don't grow. You know, they're just not, they're not present. And, and I understand sickness comes. This past week, Brother Jerry called me and he said, Hey, Pastor, I'm not feeling well. Would you pray with me? He didn't say pray over me. He said, Would you pray with me? And so I said, Brother, here's what I want you to do. I want you to cast that sickness out of you. He said it was amazing. And that's my role as a pastor to say to you, Here's how you pray. But you can pray. So once you cast it out, he goes, you know, I know that. But it was something that I just failed to practice right in the midst of me being sick or attacked. He said, I cast it out. Before long, I was down on the floor stretching, moving around. And he said, it was like I started feeling better instantly and immediately. You know why? Because he took authority over the enemy. He took authority over Satan. See, the devil doesn't want us to do that. And so he, he keeps all of us kind of in, in bondage so that we don't learn the authority and the truth or about the authority. He will fight us more on this subject than anything else. He knows that when we learn the truth, his heyday will be over. We will dominate him enjoying the authority that is rightfully ours. Wow. We will dominate him. Because we know the authority that's ours through Jesus Christ. Preachers don't preach on stuff like this. And it's because I believe that we sometimes are in bondage. Because you see, when you become seeker friendly, you stop preaching the truth. Because you're trying to build numbers and not build people. Our responsibility is just to encourage you to build, 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 build. So that you become stronger in your maturity and become more rooted in Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. In the American Standard Version, it actually renders this. It says all spiritual blessings, it says every spiritual blessing. This means every spiritual blessing there is. Amen. Amen. Thank you. That's, that's receiving understanding what we have and what is ours, church. I just want, listen, I just want our church to run in victory. I want you to, you know, I see Satan get a stronghold, and I've preached on pulling down strongholds and binding Satan, whichever shall be bound on earth shall be bound in heaven. And, and I understand that. And you go, but pastor, you're in the word, and you've taught it, and you've learned it, you know. But I'm here to tell you this. If you can't grasp it, then write it down. Seriously. So we do all this on PowerPoint so that you have it. Write it down. Make a little note here and there so that you can go back and embrace it. Listen, in Christ, all spiritual blessings belong to us. Authority belongs to us, whether we realize it or not. But just knowing this isn't enough. It's knowledge acted upon that brings results. So you have to have that information. It's a tragedy for Christians to go through life and never find out what belongs to them. Let me say that again. It's a tragedy for Christians to go through life and never find out what belongs to them. Did you ever stop to think about salvation belongs to the sinner? Jesus has already bought the salvation of the worst sinner, just as he did for each and every one of us in this sanctuary. That's the reason he told us to go tell the good news. Go tell sinners. They're reconciled to God. But we're never really to, we were never really told them that. We've told them 
God's mad at them and is counting up everything they've ever done wrong. Can I get an amen? There you go. I, I think we've, we've really condemned people instead of encouraging them. We've discouraged them from walking in Christ and knowing that as God's child, they have that great opportunity. Yet the Bible said God isn't holding anything against the sinner. God says he has canceled it out. Say this with me. It has been canceled. That's what is so awful. The poor sinner, not knowing this, will have to go to hell even though all of his debts are canceled. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. And here's what it says. Look up here. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and is committed to us the word of reconciliation. There's no sin problem because Jesus settled that. There's just a sinner problem. Get the sinner to Jesus and that cures the problem. Get the sinner to Jesus and that cures the problem. Yes, that's a little different from what people have been taught, but it's what the Bible has to say. That's sinner, not center. Sorry, I probably sent it over to, to the team as I'll take responsibility for that one. I'm winding this down. The sinner doesn't know what belongs to him, so it won't do him any good. By the same token, listen, if Christians don't know the things that belong to them, they won't do them any good. They need to find out about what belongs to them. That's why God put teachers in the church. That's why God gave us the word. To tell us what's ours. That's why he gave us the word to tell us what's ours. Do you understand that? So I'm going to say this in closing. In the natural world too, things can be ours. Yet if we don't know about them, they won't do us any good. I'm going to share a story about the $20 bill. I want to tell you about the time a man hit a $20 bill in his wallet. And he forgot about it. Then he ran out of gasoline one day. He started searching through his wallet and found the $20 bill. And here's the thing. He couldn't say he didn't have it. Because you see, he had it all the time. He had carried it around for months right in his hip pocket. Because he didn't know what he had, he couldn't spend it. But it was just as much his when he didn't know about it as it was when he did know about it. Are you following me? Also, here's a story about the poor man. I read about a man who was found dead in the small shabby room he rented for $3 a week. He had been a familiar sight on the streets of Chicago for about 20 years, and he always dressed in rags and eating out of garbage cans. When he wasn't seen for two or three days, the concerned neighbors went to look for him and found him dead in his bed inside his home. An autopsy revealed that he had died of malnutrition. Yet what was interesting that there was a money belt found around his waist that contained more than $23,000. 
You see, that man had lived in abject poverty, peddling newspapers for a living, yet he had money. He could have lived in the finest hotel in town instead of that little run-down shack, that little run-down room. He could have eaten the best food instead of garbage, but he didn't use what belonged to him. You see, he didn't use what belonged to him. We need to know what belongs to us. And Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. In John chapter 8, verse 32. In Hosea, God says, my people, and he wasn't talking about sinners and not the world, are destroyed for their lack of knowledge. People actually perish who wouldn't have to. Use what God has made available to you. Walk in freedom. Claim what belongs to you. Do you receive it this morning? Walk in the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. I wanted to finish out today with Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 17. And I'm making this my own. And listen to me, church, and I'm going to speak very, very direct to you. Unless you understand the spiritual blessings and the riches you have, you will continue to live a spiritual poverty-stricken life. When you receive the power and authority that Jesus Christ has to offer you, and again, this isn't Todd's words. You heard it from Paul's words inside God's words. Once you receive that authority and power, you have the power to speak over your children, speak over your life, speak over your circumstances. And when I say things like, greater is he that is in me than he that's in this world, now you know where we get it from. We get it from the text where Paul is saying to the church at Ephesus, to all Jews and Gentiles, because they are now the same, that guess what? Greater is he that is in you than he that's in this world. Now we take Ephesians chapter 3. I went to bed last night and I took this sermon. I went, got on the floor and I practiced it. I sat on my feet. And I've done this the last couple days. And so I started reading and I was like, okay, God, I need to make this my own because I want to walk in freedom and I want to receive the rewards and the blessings that you have. I don't care what weapon is formed against me. It cannot prosper. I declare it right now. I'm rebuking it right now. And Jesus, I have the authority through the power of Christ. I read it in your word. I'm embracing Ephesians chapter one through three. And today I claim it because for this cause, I bow my knees Unto the Father of my Lord Jesus Christ, not of just your Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named, that he would grant me. I said, God, I, I hear your word. Just grant me the riches of your glory. And according to the riches of your glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, That Christ may dwell in my heart by faith. See, 
I want to hide God's words in my heart because for me, I know the, the rich blessings that come with the fullness of Christ. You're in this room. This is not going to be a healing service. But I want you to know that we have got to come together as a body of believers. As the church. You are the church. All I am is flailing around like you are. I'm the under shepherd to the great high shepherd. He's the head, I'm the neck. I know it doesn't say it, really say it in there, but we know where the body is, as Corinthians spells it out. So are you. So are you. So I applaud you, church, because when I've stood up here and I've said to you, would you give to this missionary you gave over and above? When I've said to you, would you raise money for a hub? You've given to that. Listen, this church keeps going and people are coming. Maybe they only came one time. That's okay. But maybe it was in that message and none of us will ever know what you did to bring hope to somebody that needed Jesus that day. All because of a play or a skit, or Easter, or Christmas, whatever it looks like, you've had a great part in presenting the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. So today, I want you to walk in the authority of Christ. I want you to accept the power of Christ. I want you to understand the power that comes through Jesus. The riches are yours. All blessings are yours. Will you receive that this morning? Let's rise to our feet. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And Father, we thank you that we too, as Paul has preached, Lord, to, to speak with authority, with power. Lord, I'm not talking about my own intellect. I'm talking about the power and the authority that is rightfully yours, that, Lord, we have received as an inheritance to be able to speak life and healing, deliverance in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, today I claim the words of Paul, and I believe that all the things that Satan has tried to convince us of are canceled because you went to the cross for each and every one of us. Father, there are people in this room that need delivered, that need freed, that need hope in the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Father, when somebody moves, we can stand or we can sit in our seats. But Lord, while we do that, may we as a body come together as one body praying for those individuals. May we understand what an altar call is. May we understand what the laying on of hands are and how that works within the body of Christ and the oil anointing that comes with laying on of hands. And Lord, allowing the Holy Spirit to do the work in and through us because of Jesus. So Father, we thank you for your word. Continue to teach us the richness of your word. And Father, this morning, I receive all spiritual blessings that you have for us. May all of us leave here today preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Let's sing together. And this altar call is open for you. All I want you to do is ask God to allow you to understand his word and to receive it so that you too can walk in freedom in Jesus Christ. Let's sing together.